Won't you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning. And we quiet our hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive you this morning. God, I pray that you would release your power and your presence through me this morning as I speak. And Lord, I pray as those who see and hear this message, Lord, would feel your power and your presence. So God, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to descend upon us now. To give us this sense of assurance that you are here with us. And Father, we thank you for your word. The truths that you teach us in this season. So Father, we come before you now. And we thank you that you are here with us. And that you fill our homes with your love. We pray these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen and amen. This morning I am reading from John chapter 21. And as you know, uh, I am a big fan of the book of John. And in in, uh, John 21, uh, we we find the uh, primacy of St. Peter. It's where he receives his uh, commissioning and his calling from Jesus. And I uh, have had the good fortune to visit this exact spot in Israel over in the Holy Land. Uh, It's right on the beautiful shore of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm looking forward to going back next spring. That's the plan at this point, but uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, as we have been in this season, it is causing me to yearn to go back even more. So stay tuned. Uh, We'll see what happens with travel uh, come 2021, but my plan is to return to that holy, holy land. So I want to give you a little bit of context for John 21. So it is after the resurrection, it's after the resurrection, and Jesus has appeared to his disciples. And this would be the third time that he has appeared to his disciples, but it's the first time that he has appeared to the apostle Peter. And it's the first time that they have been together since Peter had denied him three times. And the disciples, they had, they had gathered on the Sea of Galilee to fish because it's what they knew to do. They were a bit lost Because their rabbi, their teacher, their friend Jesus, he had died, but then he also had been resurrected. And and they were a bit confused as to what to do next. They were a little bit lost because their lives and the path that they were on had radically changed. And we can relate to that, can't we? Our paths have radically changed. All of a sudden, our world has come to a sudden halt no warning, and we find ourselves trying to navigate each day, going back to what we know how to do or relearning how to do it. I don't know about you, but I, I have never cooked so much in my life since my kids were little. So I'm, I'm back to that cleaning and that cooking stage, and we're having to go back to the basics, just like those disciples did with uh, fishing. So I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 21. If you've got a a Bible app, you can uh, go ahead and and turn to that as well. Again, we are in uh, John chapter 21. We are going to start in verse 1 and read down to verse 4. Hear these words, and also read along if you have your Bibles with you. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the other two disciples were together. I'm, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. 
But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now keep in mind that these men spend every day together for several years, a lot of time together, and they didn't know that it was Jesus on the shore. You see, right now we're living in a world of the unseen. For example, we're live streaming this right now, and I'm in a sanctuary and there are just a few of us here. Uh, it's, it's very unusual, but there's a lot that is unseen. And we can't actually see the impact that live stream is making, though we have an idea. We are reminded that we walk by faith and not by sight, especially right now in this season that we're in. Now, I don't want to minimize the statistics uh, that we're seeing on the news every day. We are in a crisis. We are in a crisis. But there's a lot that is unseen, that is unreported. And I assure you that Jesus is working in mighty and bold ways that are unseen to us. And I pray for those moments for us to have this spiritual vision to see Jesus on the shore when we feel like we're out on the water alone. Amen? Amen. I want to go ahead and, and make our way down, uh, still in uh, John 21, and we're going to pick up at verse 15. Won't you join me? John 21, verse 15. I encourage you to read along or listen as well. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. There are a few critical things that I want to unpack in this passage. This is a, a learning and a commissioning of Peter, as I had mentioned earlier. And it's a new concept to share with you, this, this idea of character and competence. We, too, are in a season of growing in our character and our competence. I want you to think of it this way. Uh, character, it's, it's vertical. It's up this way. As followers of Jesus, right, as we look towards the heavens, our characters should reflect grace, peace, love, humility. And Peter, Peter was growing in his character to embody the kingdom of God. So how are you growing in your character this season? We are all learning so much about ourselves. So what are you learning about yourself in this season? And then competency. It's horizontal. So we have this image. We've got character and we've got competency. So, so competency is, is horizontal. It's the doing. Jesus gave Peter the mission to, to feed his sheep and to feed his lambs, to take care of his sheep. We're in a season where our mission field is who or what is directly in front of us. 
we have the opportunity to reach out to others via uh, phone, text message, be outside and be in community with our neighbors at a safe distance, of course. Church has left the building, so to speak. So how are we growing in our competency to be Jesus to those around us? Whether we be in the grocery store, carry out, maybe a drive-through, uh, interacting with neighbors, family, we've got the opportunity to be like Jesus to those around us. And, and then down in verses 19 and 22, Jesus offers this invitation. And he says, follow me, follow me. We are in a season of following more than we ever have in our entire lives. Our health and well-being depend upon it. We follow our president as he directs our nation. And, and we follow our governor, who is setting an example to the whole country of how to handle this crisis. And we're following everything that they are telling us to do and not to do. So for the past two weeks, uh, when I have ventured out to the grocery store, I have worn my mask and my disposable rubber gloves. And uh, I just want to, to shout out, as we all are, to healthcare workers, we have always considered you heroes, but I have a whole new respect for you because these masks and these gloves that you wear, they're hot. So I met Meyer earlier this week, and I have on my mask, and I have on my glasses because, you know, let's just be honest, today's the only day that I'm wearing makeup, and contacts. So typically during the week, it's all natural and I have my eyeglasses on. So I have my mask on, my eyeglasses. Well, my glasses are fogging up. I don't know if anybody else has had that problem. So I'm like, I'm a hot mess walking through the grocery store, but somebody told me that I'm wearing it correctly if my, if my glasses are fogging up. So we're, we're in a, a different season, right, where we're having to adjust. And it feels strange, but I'm looking around and, and many other people are taking the precautions that I am as well. We're following what they are telling us to do. So we're in this season of following. Again, what we're to do, what we're not to do, what our restrictions are. Our government, both state and national, is saying, follow me. And we are following every word. So today, we, we gather to celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ that he conquered the grave and that our sins have been forgiven and that we have eternal life through his life. And on this Resurrection Sunday, we remember the words that he said to Peter and that he says to us, to each of us, follow me. And we remember on this day to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Well, on this Easter Sunday, I want to call your attention to another scripture that speaks to my heart and I trust your heart today. And we find it also in the Gospel of John and this time in John chapter 20. Listen to these first few verses of this wonderful psalm of resurrection. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, and both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. 
And then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and believed, and they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Friends, what is the right word for Easter? The last few days, I have been pondering what is the right word for Easter, And I've arrived at a conclusion, it's a four-letter word that we all ought to be filled with this day, or at least all Christians are to be full of, and that is life. For because of Easter, we have life. I'm talking about abundant life, joyful life, a hopeful life, a whole life, a redeemed life, new life, yes, a resurrected life. And it may not seem much like life right now here in these days in which we walk among this pandemic, this virus that has visited our land, and we are waiting around right now to come out of our homes. And you know, I have to wonder what it was like for Jesus in those three days or so of darkness what it must have been like as he had predicted, he had showed the disciples, he had told them that things would start with tragedy, but then it would end in great triumph. And they were there on that imminent dawn, that resurrection that was coming, and then Easter arrives. What must it have been like for our Lord? Not just a restored life, but a glorious life, a resurrected life. Today, as we celebrate Easter, I got to believe that the resurrection means so much more to us today here in Easter 2020 than it did last year or in years past. For we have been living in darkness, really confined to a kind of tomb-like experience, have we not? Uh, Life as we know it has stopped. We are not visiting the Paneras of the world. We don't go out to work. We don't go out to play. We refrain from those places we love, like the great American ballpark, and we hide our faces. We guard our lungs, and we really walk like zombies throughout our neighborhoods and in our homes, covering ourselves with masks and gloves in hope of warding off the death of the virus. Friends, I want to remind you this is only for a limited time. Life in waiting is merely that. It's a time of great anticipation. It's a time of pause. This is an opportunity that we can really explore more deeply the questions of life, of life and death, and find in this story, the Easter story, great hope and great joy. Now, as I think about Easter today, I think about three unmistakable things, three aspects of Easter that we need to ponder today. And the first one is this, is because of God's love for us, even when we try to forget him, He still loves us. What a 
incredible message. An incredible message. Easter Sunday has a string tied around the finger of this world. Do you know that? It reminds us that God loves us unconditionally. It reminds us that God has this incredible love and grace offered to us because of the Christ, uh, the crisis of the cross. It reminds us of incredible hope. And a cross today is so cruel. You know, through the years, I've read much about the agony of the cross, the pain that people experiencing in, in that horrifying moment. I'm told it's one of the worst deaths that there, that there is, that it's so cruel. But I tell you something even more cruel than that is to forget Jesus whose crucifixion benefited us. How do you feel when someone really in your small group forgets your name? or when folks forget your birthday, or when your spouse forgets your anniversary. You see, there were three men that died that day, and only one that we really remember. And why is that? It's because Jesus remembered us. Jesus on that cross remembers you. And God is not dead. Several years ago, Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, had just experienced a terrible time in his life. Things were gloomy, and in fact, it describes it, his experience being like this black depression. And after about three days, his wife walks into the room wearing a black dress, and he says, honey, who died? And she said, God has died. And Martin Luther begins to rebuke her, saying, well, that's not happening, you know. God is not dead. To which she said, well, the way you have been acting, I'm sure he was. Folks, because of this day in history, we can celebrate new life, and we can know today that we too will be resurrected. Now, many of us, I think, have been caught in this trap. And this is also what happened, is it not, to Mary. And I want to remind you that all of the forces that were there surrounding the cross that day are still so prevalent in our world. We think about the Pharisees that we still have even in our day. We think about the crowd. We think about those who are half-baked in their walk of faith, those who on the one hand shout hallelujah, but then on the other hand live a life that is so anti the life of Christ. We think about the Judases that are running through our streets, the doubters, the disbelievers. We think about the Roman guards that are just busy going through their daily routine. Even those Roman officials are here today. Let me say that religious intolerance and commercial privilege and political expediency and pleasure-loving uh, irresponsibility, that mob mentality is alive and well today. And yes, when the spiritualists, those, that song that we sing, were you there when we crucified the Lord? We have to say a resounding yes, I was there. When we crucified the Lord. And yet, even though there are those moments where we forget what God has done for us, his love still prevails. Secondly, I would say to you that another unmistakable message is that the tomb is not the end. I know we cringe today when we think about death. 
as we see the images on TV, we see mass graves being dug, we hear about so many of these Americans that we love, our countrymen dying from this disease. But it seems like that death in general does not bother us when we think about it, but when it comes to our own death, somehow it terrifies us. And yet Easter cannot come, I remind you, without Good Friday. The day that you believe in the resurrection is the day that the universe is transformed. Your universe, that is. It's the day when you come to faith in Christ that you are shaken from the inside out like one of those snow globes. Your life is transformed for there now is life for you. And new life in Christ cannot come without that passing of our old life. Now I know Easter is such a mystery. It's mysterious, this stuff that we talk about, life and death. And yet somehow Easter transforms us. And today we are not acknowledging simply a great event like Independence Day. This is not just 4th of July where we're sending off a few sparklers and a few firecrackers. No, it's something larger than ourselves, larger than life. Easter promises resurrection for all believers today for Jesus is not in the tomb. Someone shouted one time, God is dead, and Billy Graham heard it, and he said, well, that's strange. I just talked to God a few moments ago in prayer. Because of this day, my friends, one of the unmistakable messages of Easter is that God is not dead. God is not in the tomb. But then lastly, let me remind you today, because of what God has done for us at Mount Calvary and how God raised Jesus from the dead. We can say today that we have life, life everlasting when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you know, Christmas has been honored in our church for many years, and some even put Christmas up there as the supreme holiday and although it's certainly one of the most wonderful times of the year for me personally, I find it difficult to believe that this is the ultimate holiday because we're all born. And Good Friday, although it is a very, very important holiday and moment in the life of this world and in our faith, it's still not the supreme holiday, but you see, it's Easter. Easter, my friends, where only Jesus was raised from the grave never to die and lay in that grave forever. Easter Sunday should be the ultimate holiday. It is the pinnacle of our faith. Now, if you were living in the first century, you would have noticed a strange custom that many of the Christian believers had back in that day. For when a loved one died who was a Christian sister or brother, someone who believed in the Lord, they would take one of those laurel wreaths and take it out and put it on their grave. And the laurel wreath was the same wreath that they would use in those Roman and, and Greek athletic contests. They would put it on the, the head of those who, who won the victory. And if you were to ask one of these Christian brothers or sisters that were headed out to the cemetery that day, and you were to ask them why, they would respond, well, because in Jesus we have victory over the power of death. I'm glad today, friends, that we can put on that laurel wreath up on our brow today and know 
He is risen. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you for these moments that we can share today. How glorious it is, this new life that you have given to us. And I just pray right now for all of those that are joining us today. And I pray, God, that your spirit of peace would be upon their hearts. And that if there's those there that are joining us today that have never accepted you as Savior, that this would be the moment that they would accept you into their life, that they would come into your presence and invite you to come in and shower them with forgiveness as we confess our sins to you. Lord, hear our prayers. This day we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.